I got a word for you today that's been burning in my heart that I cannot wait to share with you guys. It's a follow-up to a message that I preached a few weeks ago, uh, about three weeks ago now, and, and I call it my, my <clears throat> radical church two and a half hour extravaganza, okay? Because that's what it was. It was a two and a half hour service. Not normal for us, all right? I'm just gonna be straight up with you. Some of y'all are like, oh Lord Jesus, is he gonna do it again? I don't know, God willing, we'll see what happens, all right? So, uh, but, but it was just an incredible time. And I wanna do a follow-up message on the baptism of the Holy Spirit. That's what we're talking about today. And how many of you are excited about that? How many of y'all are ready for that? How many of y'all are like, I don't know about that. Come on. <laughs> that sounds a little weird. I don't know about this. I think I came on the wrong day, all right? So we put a party at the end of the service so you can come in. So I would just like, God would just get you with the baptism of the Holy Spirit. That's what, that's what this plan is, okay? So uh, just bear with me. It's gonna be a great day, I promise. But it's a follow-up message to the first one. And we were in this room. And uh, about a week before that, God had just started to take me on this journey of completely changing who I am, just fundamentally. I'm a different guy than I was a few weeks ago. And I said that that Sunday morning. Friday and Saturday of that week, I went to a conference and, and the Lord basically told me to go to this conference. And I don't say that lightly. When I say the Lord told me to do something, I, I have to be really sure that he said it. I'm not just gonna be like, thus saith the Lord, unless I'm really sure. And, and I was sure. And so I went to Arkansas last minute to Friday and Saturday, I actually got back at midnight that night. So I didn't get any sleep, uh, but the Lord radically encountered me in that place in a way that I've never been touched by the Lord before. It was just a completely transformative moment for me. And a lot of things that I've been holding on to in my life, you know, so many of us, we hold on to the sins of our past. And that's a lot of what we were talking about a few weeks ago in this series and that Sunday is, is we were just learning who we are in Jesus, right? Like, hey, if you have a past, listen, I do too. You can go back and watch it. I told my entire testimony of all the things and all the dumb stuff I'd done in my life. And yet God completely transformed my life. And I believe that he can do the same for you. And there's people in this room that he has done that for, but yet, a lot of times we hold on to that stuff. We hold on to the guilt and the shame and the condemnation and we can't let it go. God's already forgiven you, so why haven't you forgiven you, right? And so we learned who we are in Christ and we started to talk about the, the Holy Spirit. We're in this series called Erased. Like, why is the Holy Spirit erased from most of our personal lives and from our church services? Mostly we're cool with, with the other two, right? It's the Trinity, God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit. The Father, we're cool with, we like him. If you, have a, if you have a good father, maybe here on earth, you have a good father. And so maybe you can relate to that. You're like, oh, I got a good dad. You know, I, can, I can relate to the idea of, of the father. And, and that's a cool thing. I always like my dad, you know, like I raise my hands in worship and you know, he's like picking me up. It's like I'm a little kid, you know, he's coming home from work kind of a deal. You know, that's how I feel like sometimes. Uh, and then the son, we're cool with that. We like him. Easter, Christmas. Oh, you know the whole story. Death, burial, resurrection. Like we love all that. The son, the cross, that's cool. We wear them, put them on our walls. Then the Holy Spirit, nah, he weird. <laughs> we don't like him. No, let's just not, let's not mess with that weirdo. He's like the redheaded stepchild of the Trinity. It's like, no, that's not how it is. They're equally God. God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit. It's not like one is greater or anything like, I don't understand it. Don't try to understand it, okay? We're not gonna get God always. If you think that you understand everything about God, you're putting yourself on the same level as God. You just don't, okay? There's some things we're never gonna understand. But, what I wanna to talk to you today about is a follow-up message. And, and I talked about the baptism of the Holy Spirit. Last Sunday, I 
called us to 10 days of prayer and fasting. And if you weren't with us in that, I encourage you, you can start today. Don't feel like you, you can't start today. Um, you'll just do seven days, or, or I think it's about five days left that we have actually, we'll end on Friday. And uh, the Lord told me to tell you guys, hey, this is what we're gonna do because Jesus, after he rose again, there was 40 days that he was with his disciples, right? 40 days, he was walking around, hanging out with them, uh, revealing himself to other people. It said about 500 people actually saw Jesus after he rose again. And so then he says, wait for the Holy Spirit in Jerusalem. Don't go anywhere. Uh, I'm gonna go back to the Father. It's better for you that I leave, which is a huge important thing to remember. Jesus said, it's better that I go and that the Holy Spirit comes. And I'll send him once I leave. So you wait in Jerusalem until you receive the gift of the Holy Spirit, which is what we would know as the baptism and the Holy Spirit. And so they pray and it says on the day of Pentecost, which Pentecost means 50. So 40, 50, you do the math, 10 days, they were in the upper room praying fervently, seeking after God for the gift that was promised, the Holy Spirit. And last week I talked about, would you pray 10 days for something? Would you just pray 10 days if I told you it could completely change your life? Would you pray 10 days for somebody to be saved in your family that you've been praying for forever? Would you just take 10 days and all you thought about and all you did was just pray fervently? Would you fast 10 days for somebody? We talked about the power of fasting and posted about that. And, and listen, if you haven't started the fast, you can actually go back on Facebook and Instagram. And I put a whole big thing on there on Radical Church about fasting and different ways to fast, how you, how you can get involved with that and what we're doing. But there's power in it, right? The Bible says that there's some things that can only be done through prayer and fasting, amen? There's some things that will only be done with fervent, persevering prayer. Not a, Lord, would you do it? All right, cool. There's some things that God wants you to get on your knees and he wants you to pray. Like not just like a little kind of pray and not like you're trying hard, like not like you're trying to, to move God and like, like make him change something or you're trying to strong arm him and you know, just like, ah, God, do what I want. That's not what I'm talking about. I'm talking about a fervent prayer that says, I'm not gonna move until you move, God. I'm gonna be right here. I'm gonna keep praying. I'm gonna keep praying for my son or my daughter that's gone far away from you. I'm gonna keep praying for this sickness that hasn't been healed yet. I'm gonna keep praying for this job. I'm gonna keep praying for whatever it is. And so what I said is, hey, we're gonna pray 10 days for the baptism of the Holy Spirit, the same way that the disciples and the 120 people and the upper room did in Acts 2. And it says that the Holy Spirit came in power. But here's the deal. There's something that I wanna talk about and it's that many people will actually teach that you receive the baptism of the Holy Spirit, when you believe. When you become a Christian, you receive the baptism of the Holy Spirit right there. And that's something that, that certain denominations will teach. And today, I'm gonna show you in God's word what God says about it, all right? Let's do that. Let's not worry about denominations. If you know anything about the Holy Spirit, throw it out the window, okay? I'm just gonna be honest with you. We're starting over. And that's what I told everybody three weeks ago. I said, hey, listen, anything that you've been taught about the Holy Spirit, anything that you think you know, if you have church hurt because of a church you went to in the past and they did some weird stuff or whatever, throw it all out the window and start over with God's word. Not with our experience, but with God's word. So there's actually three baptisms and I'm gonna have them on the screen for you. And so hopefully it'll make it a little bit easy to, to visualize. It's salvation, water, and spirit. Salvation, water, and spirit. Here's the deal. Many of us live like the thief on the cross. What does that mean? It means 
there was a thief on the cross next to Jesus. Jesus didn't deserve to be on the cross, right? We know that. Wrongly accused, wrongly put there. But the thief on the cross obviously definitely deserved what he was getting, okay? Was a bad dude, not a great guy. But yet it says, while he's hanging on the cross, he puts his faith and his trust in the other guy next to him, whose name is Jesus, right? And then what does Jesus say to him? He says, today you will be with me where? In paradise. Today you will be with me in paradise. What does that mean? What, what baptism did he receive? He was saved. He put his belief in Jesus. And that's what we do, right? We put our faith in Jesus and that's the first one. It's actually the Holy Spirit that baptizes us into Jesus. And the Holy Spirit, when you say yes to God, actually comes and lives and dwells within you. Isn't that mind blowing? Isn't that crazy? That the actual spirit of God comes and lives within you and within me. That's pretty trippy, but I think it's really, really cool. And a lot of people will say this and say, well, I found God. And, and I talked about this a few weeks ago as well, but technically that's not theologically accurate, but I know what you're saying, okay? You're like, oh, I found God and it's been amazing, but really it's God that finds us. It's the Holy Spirit that draws men to God. So when you actually say yes to Jesus, right? Some of you know, like you remember what it felt like when you said yes to Jesus, right? You had this feeling inside of you, like, I don't know why, but I'm just feeling drawn to this right now. Maybe it was in a service, Maybe there was a speaker that was speaking, you kind of just related to, and you felt that, that, that pull and that draw, and you're like, what is going on? Why do I wanna say yes to this right now? Why do I feel like I believe this right now? Like, this is crazy, and what is it? That's the Holy Spirit working within you and drawing you to Jesus, and that's an amazing, amazing truth that we have. So it's the Holy Spirit that baptizes us into Jesus, and then we have the indwelling of the Holy Spirit. It's incredible. And so that's the first one, but the problem is, is many of us stop there. A lot of us stop there. We live like the thief on the cross. We stop right there. We say, I believe and I have the Holy Spirit within me. Some of us don't even get baptized in water, which I think is, is just a, a sad thing. You know what? If you wanna be baptized in water today, maybe the inflatable has got a little thing at the bottom. I will dunk you right in that inflatable. Let me tell you right now, I don't even care. I don't even care. You wanna give your life to Jesus today. We will baptize you right outside at the end of this service. You think I'm kidding, I am not. I've always wanted to do that. <laughs> so that's the first one, but many of us live like that. We don't get baptized in water, but especially most of us, some of you get saved, you get baptized in water, but then you stop there and you don't get baptized in power of the Holy Spirit. And there's so much more that God has for you. Listen, are you less of a Christian? Are you, are you not going to heaven? Of course, Jesus said, today you will be with me in paradise. Did the thief on the cross get baptized in water and baptized in the Holy Spirit? No. Is he in heaven right now? You better believe it. But so many of us live like that. We're chained up on a cross still and we're living like this saying, I'm just barely gonna scrape my way into heaven last minute and I'm not gonna live with power and authority my entire life. What kind of a life is that? We try so hard to get to heaven and that's all we care about is I'm gonna get to heaven, but what God wants to do is actually get heaven into you. Right now, he wants to bring heaven down to earth and get it into you and into me so that we can live in power and authority and become love to the world around us, amen. That's what it's all about. It's not about just getting to heaven. That's not what Jesus ever preached. Look at, the, look at scripture. Did he ever say, you put your faith in me and you'll make it to heaven? That's not what he said. He said, pick up your cross and follow me. It's gonna be tough sometimes. It's not gonna be easy. But then he said, wait in Jerusalem because you're gonna receive what? 
power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you. So yeah, life's gonna be tough, but you're gonna have the power to handle it. You're gonna have the power to, to overcome any obstacle in your life, any mountain that's in your way, any giant that's in your way, man. You're gonna have the power of God along with you to help you through that. So uh, Jesus tells them, wait for the Holy Spirit, you'll receive power. And then they have this second experience. There's the three baptisms, salvation, the Holy Spirit baptizes us in Jesus. And then there's water, which is the disciples, anyone. I mean, it doesn't have to be me. Here's one thing that, uh, that a lot of people misconstrue or get messed up. Uh, if you grew up in a different tradition or denomination, it's believed that only you know, certain people can baptize you. Listen, if you are a believer in Jesus and, some, and you lead your coworker to Jesus and they wanna get baptized and you, sit, you know that that's the next step, you can go to the pool out back, you can go to their bathtub, their whirlpool, the inflatable outside, like I don't care who you are, like you are now qualified to baptize somebody, all right? So the disciples, they would go baptize people. That's what Jesus told them to do. He said, go into all the world, right? It's the Great Commission. Baptize them in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, teaching them to obey everything I've commanded you. So he's saying, baptize them, right? The disciples do that. But then the last one is the Spirit, the, the baptism of the Holy Spirit, and Jesus is the one that actually baptizes us in the Holy Spirit. Isn't that cool? It's Jesus that does it. He said in Acts 2, or in Acts 1, he said, you wait, I'm gonna go to the Father, and we're gonna send the Holy Spirit down to you. All right, so it's Jesus that does that one. And I'm gonna go through the life of Jesus and the life of disciples to show you how we have an example for us to follow here. So Jesus actually had all three in his life. He had all three of these. Salvation experience, right? Water baptized and spirit baptized. And now before some of y'all think I'm a heretic, all right, I know Jesus did not have to get saved, okay? Like, hold on a second, just bear with me. What is uh, the Bible called getting saved? What's another term for that? It's called being born again, and they didn't understand that. They were like, being born again? That's kind of weird. Like, and one of them actually asked, like, so I actually have to like go back into my mom's womb and be born again? That's weird. And he's like, no. Like, he didn't even really explain it to him, which I think is hilarious. But he's like, no, no, no. It's a spiritual thing. And we know that now. It's a spiritual rebirth. It's getting born again. The old man is gone and the new has come. It's the old man is gone. It's, we're actually a new creation when we say yes to Jesus. Like you're not even the same person anymore, which is such a cool truth about what Jesus does for us. So uh, Jesus did not have to be born again because he was born right the first time, amen? He was perfect, he was sinless. He was born from the Virgin Mary. He didn't have to be born again because he was born perfect through the power of the Holy Spirit the first time. So uh, right off the bat, he was not born into sin like all of us are because of the sin of Adam and Eve in the garden. We know the story, okay? But then he was water baptized by John the Baptist. We've talked about this story the last few weeks. He gets water baptized. John uh, the Baptist is the one who's, who's looking for Jesus. He's looking for the Messiah. He's waiting for him to come. And when Jesus finally comes, he recognizes him. He's like, hey, listen, behold, this is the lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world. And he comes up to him and Jesus is like, hey, you gotta baptize me. And John's like, uh-uh, I'm not baptizing you. Like, you gotta baptize me, bro. And he said, no, no, no. Like, this has to, this is a part of the scriptures being fulfilled. You know this, John. And he's like, all right, cool puts him under the water, comes back up. Now, necessarily, I don't know why Jesus felt the need to do this because maybe it was a way for us to identify with him in that way. It's foreshadowing his death, burial, and resurrection, right? It's a part of that. There's a few reasons that you could look to, but all we know now is, hey, this is an example for us to follow. And right after Jesus gets water baptized, what happens? 
It says that John the Baptist saw heaven open up. Now that sounds cool. I don't know what that looks like, but that must've been a trip, okay? Uh, like John was on something. I don't know what he was on, but he was like, the heavens have opened. And everybody's like, what the, what are you talking about, bro? And he's seeing this thing. And it says that the spirit of God descended like a dove, not a literal dove, but like a dove. It was just a, a metaphor and comes down and, and rests on Jesus. And it says that the spirit of God remained on Jesus. And that's the first time that the spirit of God remained on somebody and then remained for the rest of his life. There's times in the Old Testament where the spirit of God would come down for a season and for a reason on some people, but it never actually remained for the entirety of the rest of his life before like that. And so that is Jesus's spirit baptism moment. Are you guys following me? We good? Okay. Jesus has all three. One thing I wanna point out is that all four gospels record this. And that's actually really important. Not every gospel. So Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John are the four gospels right at the beginning of the New Testament. And what are those? They're basically the story of Jesus's life and what he did while he was here on earth. But not every story, as a matter of fact, almost every story is not repeated in all four of them. Maybe some of them are in two and some of them are in three, some of them are just in one. Uh, you know, we gotta remember these are men that are writing, it's just a chronicle of Jesus's life and they're inspired by the Holy Spirit to write these things down, but they don't remember everything or they don't remember all the same stories and some of them weren't there for some of them maybe. And so they have different ones, but the only two things that are in all four gospels is Jesus's death, burial and resurrection of course, that's paramount, but then also his water baptism and spirit baptism. The only two things that are in all four. What does that say? I think it says that there's something we need to get here. I think it says it's important for us. So then the disciples, okay? The disciples, now they're gonna have all three of these. Check this out, watch. The disciples got saved. Some of them barely, okay? Like Jesus was constantly rebuking these dudes. They just didn't get it a lot. They messed up all the time, just like you and me, constant, like just messing things up, not understanding things. Jesus, what does this mean? What does that mean? Why'd you do this? And he's like, do you guys even listen to anything I say right now? You find it all throughout the, the scriptures. But in John 20, you actually find where Jesus breathes on the disciples. This is after he has been raised up from the dead, he comes and he breathes on the disciples the same day. And he says, receive the Holy Spirit, receive the Holy Spirit. Now, if Jesus said, receive the Holy Spirit, do you think that they received the Holy Spirit? Yes. All right, you can nod. It's okay. We're all right. Like we can participate here, okay? Receive the Holy Spirit. Yes, they received the Holy Spirit right there in that moment. What is this? That's their born again experience. There's the breath of life. Like it's, it's, it's not foreshadowing, but I don't know what that's called. It's looking back to what God did with Adam, where he breathed the breath of life over Adam, right? And so he's saying, receive the Holy Spirit. And now what does that mean? Jesus has been raised again. Like he's already paid the price for all of our sins. So now they have the ability to actually be saved. Even though they already believed before, now they have the ability to actually be made right with the Father and for the Holy Spirit to indwell them. So now they, that's the first one. They believe. The second one, water baptism. This is kind of interesting. I don't understand why this is the way it is. You will not find anywhere in the gospels, anywhere in the Bible where it talks about the disciples being baptized in water. It's kind of weird. I don't know why that is, but it is just assumed that Jesus would have done it. It's assumed. That's what pretty much every theologian believes is that Jesus would have baptized his disciples uh, at one point. So 
we can assume that because he told them to go out and baptize other people. So there's no way that he would have not baptized them before he sent them out. But then the third one, which we find in Acts 2, is the day of Pentecost. And this is where they're baptized in the Holy Spirit and fire. It says that they were up in the upper room for 10 days. They were praying, seeking after God for the gift that he told them they would have, that they would get from the Father, from on above. They're praying for 10 days. And then it says that tongues of fire came above their heads and separated over their heads. Super weird. Don't know what that means. Probably looked really cool though. And so tongues of fire separate over their heads. It sounds a sound of rushing wind came through. It's like the whole house is being shaken. And then they start speaking in tongues. Like they don't even know what they're saying. They just start speaking in this unknown language to them. And it's like, what in the world is happening right now? And so they start going outside and people start coming around because they hear this sound, they hear this wind and the, the house is being shaken. It's like an earthquake, right? And so they come out, everybody starts filtering outside and they're all speaking in tongues. And it's interesting because there was actually a feast going on that brought people from all over that area, from miles and miles around, from different areas and different countries, different things like that. And they were all there for a feast on that specific day. Isn't that interesting that Jesus would send the Holy Spirit right on that day? And they go out and the people are saying, yo, how are they speaking in my language, my native tongue? Aren't these, aren't these guys from here? There's no way that they know my native tongue. And well, they're speaking your language too. That's crazy. They're speaking his language. And it says that they were all praising God in languages they didn't even know. And then Peter gets up and preaches and 3,000 people get saved that day. Isn't that amazing? Come on, that's good news right there. 3,000 people in one moment because of the Holy Spirit of God moving. What if we sought after the Holy Spirit and all of us in this room were baptized in the Holy Spirit in fire and power, and 3,000 people in Kyle, Buda, and St. Marcus get saved in one day? Isn't that amazing? Wouldn't that be awesome if that happened? I would absolutely love it. Come on now, that's what it's all about. And so they had this experience as well. So people will say, but it comes automatically, all right? I'm gonna, just hold on one second. I'm gonna help you with this, guys. If you've thought this before, some of you are like, I don't know anything about this. Don't worry about it. Some of y'all have this in your head, so I'm gonna get it out real quick. Luke eleven thirteen. 13. Jesus is talking about uh, fathers who give gifts to their kids, like natural fathers give gifts to their kids. If you then, though you are evil, know how to get good gifts to your children, how much more will your Father in heaven give the Holy Spirit to those who ask him? Why do you ask if it's automatic? Right? Just, it makes sense. Why would you have to ask if it was an automatic thing that happened at salvation? Let's go to the next one, Acts 8. We're gonna go through a bunch of examples of people getting baptized in the Holy Spirit. When the apostles in Jerusalem heard that Samaria had accepted the word of God, they sent Peter and John to Samaria. Stop right there, okay? Samaritans and Jews did not get along, all right? Samaritans were viewed as half-breeds. That's why you get the story of the good Samaritan and it's a big deal. Uh, they were viewed as half-breeds. People did not like the Samaritans, the Jews, and they did not get along. And so they heard that, uh, when the apostles of Jerusalem heard that Samaria had accepted the word of God, that's a big deal. So they send Peter and John to hang out with them. Verse 15, when they arrived, they prayed for the new believers there that they might receive the Holy Spirit. Check this, because the Holy Spirit had not yet come on any of them. They had simply been baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus. What does that mean? It means they believed the word, it says at the beginning, then they were water baptized, but the Holy Spirit had not yet come on any of them. 
And so then it says in verse 17, then Peter and John placed their hands on them and they received the Holy Spirit. So there's another way right there that you see it was not an automatic thing. This is something that they had to seek after. And in this instance, they had the laying on of hands and that is what did it for them. Acts 19, another example. When Apollos was at Corinth, Paul took the road through the interior and arrived at Ephesus. There he found some disciples. These are disciples of John. So not necessarily disciples of Jesus. They were disciples of John. They got baptized in John's baptism. So they believed in the one to come. He asked them, did you receive the Holy Spirit when you believed? I think that's interesting. That's the first thing that he asked them, right? Paul is going to Ephesus and he comes up to these people he finds some disciples, probably because of what they were wearing. They had a different thing they would wear. And so he finds these disciples. The first question that he asks them, do you guys receive the Holy Spirit when y'all believed? That's what Paul probably would have done today. If you get water baptized and you believe in Jesus and you met Paul, the apostle, for the first time, what would you have probably heard him say? Hey, did you receive the baptism of the Holy Spirit when you believed? Did you receive the baptism of the Holy Spirit? Like, you know Jesus, right? You got water, but did you, but did you receive the baptism of the Holy Spirit yet? Because like, this is really important. That's the first thing he would have asked you. It says it right here. It's the first thing he asked them. They answered, no, we have not even heard that there is a Holy Spirit. So Paul asked them, what baptism did you receive? He's trying to figure out, was it John or Jesus? Like Jesus, did they know about Jesus? They said, John's baptism, they replied. Paul said, John's baptism was a baptism of repentance. He told the people to believe in the one coming after him, that is in Jesus. On hearing this, they were baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus. And then after, you see right after, when Paul placed his hands on them, the Holy Spirit came on them and they spoke in tongues and prophesied. Now there's another example right there of something different. Acts 10, let's go to a different one. We're gonna go to, we're just gonna go through scripture real fast because I wanna get to the end and, and I'm gonna pray for you guys at the end. Cornelius, you know this story? Cornelius is a Gentile, all right? Even more than the Samaritans, the Jews did not like the Gentiles. As a matter of fact, it's in their law that they were not to associate with them. The Jewish law said that you're not even supposed to go hang out with them. You're not supposed to go in their house. You're not supposed to associate because God didn't want them to be corrupted by the outside influences. They were idol worshipers, worshiping different gods, different things like that. And so it was in their law not to do this, but, but Cornelius has a dream and then, uh, uh, and then, Peter is, is encouraged by the Lord to not be afraid to go and to meet with him. It's a really cool story how they kind of get linked up supernaturally like that. And so Peter goes to the house of Cornelius. While Peter was still speaking these words, telling them about Jesus, the Holy Spirit came on all who heard the message. The circumcised believers who had had come with Peter, that's the Jews, were astonished that the gift of the Holy Spirit had been poured out even on the Gentiles for they heard them speaking in tongues and praising God. And then Peter said, surely no one can stand in the way of their being baptized with water. They've received the Holy Spirit just as we have. So he ordered that they be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ. And they asked Peter to stay with them for a few more days. So now we have another example. This time he didn't lay hands on them. He was just talking about Jesus. They didn't get baptized in water first. This time they get baptized in the Holy Spirit. So they believe Holy Spirit, then water, no laying on of hands. Sometimes they lay their hands on them after they baptize them in water. And you know, there's different ways you see throughout scripture that the Holy Spirit comes. What is it trying to get across? And what do I feel like God is trying to get across to you and to me is that it's not a formula, guys. 
A relationship with God is not a formula to follow. It's a relationship to cultivate, amen? It's not about doing the right things and saying the right things and, and oh, I gotta put my hands on you. Or, oh, do I have oil? I gotta anoint them with oil and stuff like that. Or, oh, I gotta, you know, were they fully submerged under the water? It's like, come on, guys, that's not what it's about. It's about the relationship that God has with you and with me. It's a personal thing. It's not about a process or a system or anything like that. And when you get that kind of stuff in your head, when you start thinking more about theology and processes and systems, and good theology is important, don't get me wrong, I always wanna preach the word of God accurately, but when you start to care more about that stuff than you actually care about God himself, then what are we doing, right? I don't wanna care more about the process. I'd much rather care about the giver of the gifts or the giver of the Holy Spirit, not the gifts themselves or anything like that. Are we okay? You guys all right? Okay. I know this is new for a lot of, how many of you, you've never heard, probably a lot of people will raise your hand, so don't, you won't be alone, I promise. But how many of you have never heard this before? You never heard stuff like this before? Just raise your hand, it's all right, it's all right. You never heard this kind of teaching before. Okay, yeah, that's what I thought. There's probably about 20 people that just raised their hands. All right. The only manifestations, what is a manifestation? It's like a physical um, representation of what's happening within them. The only manifestations that are mentioned in the Bible is speaking in tongues and prophesying. So those are the two things that you see. Sometimes it doesn't mention any manifestations, okay? It doesn't say on a few occasions if they spoke in tongues or prophesied. But here's the problem. Many people, especially, you know, charismatic Pentecostals, I suppose, which I'm gonna be straight up with you. I am one of them, okay? So I fully believe in the gifts of the Spirit. God has spoken to me many, many times. I've heard words of knowledge, which is basically God just tells me something about somebody else. A few weeks ago, I went to Subway and God told me business. And so I spoke this word, hey man, God has a business for you. He wants you to start. You're not gonna be making sandwiches much longer. He's like, that's crazy. I'm a senior at Texas State studying business. And I've always wanted to start a luthier company. I wanna build guitars, and I said, man, that's great. God wants you to go for that. Let me pray with you. That's a word of knowledge, okay? There's no way I could have known that. I've seen people be healed before. God's given me words. The whole reason that this church exists is because of a prophetic word from God. The word radical is a prophetic word that he gave me. I thought radical church, it sounds like a really cool name for a church. And then a few days later, a lady comes up and starts praying for me. She said, radical faith, radical preaching, radical boldness. Some of y'all know the story. But listen, I hadn't told anybody about that. What is that? It's a prophetic word. It's a word of knowledge that she knew what God was doing within me, okay? So I believe in all of this stuff. But the problem is, is the Pentecostal movement, the charismatic movement, they make everything about tongues. And it's not about the actual gift of the Holy Spirit. They make everything about the gift and now it's not about the giver of the gift anymore. Like I said, it's not about a process. It's about a relationship. God did not say, Jesus didn't say, hey, wait in Jerusalem and you will receive tongues. That's not what he said. He said, wait in Jerusalem and you will receive what? The Holy Spirit. Who is the Holy Spirit? It's not an it, it's not a force. It's not like Star Wars, like, ah, you know, that's not what the Holy Spirit is. The Holy Spirit is a person. We talked about that in week one. The person of the Holy Spirit, God the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, right? So we want the person of the Holy Spirit working within us. He said, no, you'll receive power from the Holy Spirit. And I've seen people try to coach people speaking in tongues before. 
And that's just some weird stuff, man. That just leads to some all kinds. I've been to youth camps and everything. I've seen, I've been in services where they're like trying to get people to be baptized in the Holy Spirit. And it's just really damaging in my opinion, where they're just like, all right, now say Scooby-Doo backwards really, really fast. Come on now. It's like, that's not how it works. That's not what this is. You're reducing it to a process now, and now you're pressuring somebody to do something and to perform, and now it's about works and not about faith. Come on. It's not about works. It's about faith. How do we receive the baptism? How do you receive salvation? By faith. How do you receive the gift of the Holy Spirit? By faith. Some people might speak in tongues, I did. I told my story a few weeks ago. The first time I got baptized in the Holy Spirit, I was by myself on a playground when I was 15 years old. And I was just praying because I saw it in my Bible. I said, Lord, I need this. I don't understand it, but I just want this. I got knocked over on the playground. I had like that gravel, you know, the white stuff on the back of my shirt, you know what I'm talking about? Because I lay it on the gravel, I kid you not. And I'm just speaking in tongues. My, I went to a private school. They thought it was demonic. They were like, and I didn't know this. I told this the other day, but I didn't know this part. I asked my mom and she said, yeah, they actually made me get you drug tested the next day, the Christian school, because they thought you were on something. And I was like, how sad that the Christian school didn't even understand that it was something from the Lord. I mean, I get like they got to do their due diligence or whatever, but I just think that's hilarious. You'll receive tongues now, you'll receive power. Listen, And this is, this is what I think, were the apostles, like, were the disciples coached? You know, they didn't know what was happening to them. Do you think that somebody knew that that was gonna happen? No. 120 people in the upper room, if you would have told them before that they were gonna start speaking some crazy language and they would start walking out, it actually says that people thought they were drunk. And Peter has to come up and says, no, guys, we're not drunk. It's nine in the morning. You think we're drunk right now? Like that was his logic. That's how he explained to the fact that they were not drunk. Guys, it's nine in the morning, all right? We ain't been drinking, okay? This is the power of God, the Jesus that you crucified, the Jesus that you put on the cross. He sent the Holy Spirit here and that's how we're able to speak in all your native languages and everything. And listen, you need to repent of your sin and you need to come back to Jesus and believe in him and 3,000 people get saved. Listen, they did not know what was gonna happen to them. Do you think the Samaritans were coached on what was gonna happen to them? no. What about Cornelius? Peter was just, Paul was just talking. He was just preaching to us. Hey, this is Jesus that we knew. And as he, it says, as he was still speaking, the Holy Spirit came down. It's like, he wasn't saying, and you guys are gonna get tongues. It's gonna be really, really cool. You seriously think that's what's happening? No, nobody was coached in what was gonna happen. So listen, I'm not ever gonna coach somebody on how to receive a gift because it's not me that baptizes you. It's Jesus that does it. It's not me that gives the gift. It's God that gives the gift to us. You just have to want it. You just have to ask. Where are we going, Lord? Come on now. I'm gonna pray for you to receive the baptism of the Holy Spirit today, okay? And I know some of y'all are already freaked out. All right, so just bear with me. Some of you already have this gift, so you know how awesome it is. Jesus said, it's better that I leave and the Holy Spirit comes It'd be pretty cool to have Jesus walking around with us, right? That'd be great. Jesus, I got a headache. Can you take care of that? Yeah, healed, right? Like, that'd be awesome. But yet he says the Holy Spirit is better for you than for me to be walking around. Why? Because the Holy Spirit can be everywhere. The Holy Spirit is in us, upon us, all around us. Like, it's just a much better thing for you guys. And if Jesus said to wait and to pray for the Holy Spirit to come, I think it's important enough for us to do that as well. 
If the disciples in the 120 in the upper room took 10 days to pray for this, I think we can take 10 days to pray for it. What do you think? They knew Jesus too. Like they walked with him and they took 10 days to pray for that thing. The Bible says, ask and you shall receive. Seek and you shall find. Knock and the door will be opened. Will the door be opened sometimes? No, every single time. If you ask and you believe in faith and you receive it by faith, listen, he's coming, but you have to want it. Remember when I said earlier, some things only come by fasting and prayer. Some things only come with a fervent kind of prayer. Like I need this in my life. The apostles did not do anything until they received the baptism of the Holy Spirit. And yet we think in our great wisdom in 2022 that we can walk around and be just as powerful as the apostles were without it. Or maybe we don't even care to be as powerful as they were. But you know what Jesus said? He said, these, sh- these signs shall follow those that believe. You'll be able to put your hands on somebody and they'll be healed in the name of Jesus. You'll be able to get words of knowledge and words of wisdom. These gifts that the Holy Spirit gives each and every one of us after you have the baptism of the Holy Spirit, when the Holy Spirit fills us up. You put it this way, plain and simple. If I drank a glass of water, for example, uh, is that my water bottle right there? Sure, why not? I won't drink it. Here we go. If this was my water and I drank this water, the Holy Spirit is within me now, right? Like this water is in me. But what if I went and jumped out into the, the bottom part of that inflatable What if I jumped into a pool or I jumped into the ocean? Where's the water now? It's all over me. It's all around me. This is getting saved. That is is spirit baptism. Does that make sense? This is the Holy Spirit indwelling within me. That is the Holy Spirit coming upon me. I like to put it like this, and I've heard this before, and I think this is great. The Holy Spirit lives within me for my sake, for me, for the fruit of the Spirit to be developed, to sanctify me, but the Holy Spirit comes upon me for your sake. The Holy Spirit comes upon us so that we can be a witness. It's not, you don't need the Holy Spirit if you don't wanna be a witness. If you don't wanna share your faith, if you don't wanna be bold, if you don't want to live in power and authority, if, you, if you'd like to continue in your addictions and you'd like to continue in, in the same sins that you've been struggling with for 30 years now, then don't worry, don't come up here. You don't need it. But if you wanna live in power and authority, The same spirit that raised Christ from the dead now lives within us. And he can also be all over us and upon us and we can move in power the same way that Jesus did. People think, well, Jesus was awesome. Like Jesus was Jesus. I'm not Jesus. Jesus was a man, fully God, fully man. Never stopped being God. Fully God, fully man, but completely in submission to God. What did Jesus say? I can do nothing. The son can do nothing by himself. I only do what I see my father doing. What does that mean? Jesus, in some kind of way, emptied himself of his divine attributes and now lived fully submitted to the Holy Spirit of God. Does that make sense? It doesn't. Some of y'all are like so confused right now. Just be honest. It's okay if you're confused. He said, I can do nothing by myself, guys. He was fully man, lived as a man. Holy Spirit comes on him. Now he has the power of the Holy Spirit. He listens to what the Father tells him to do and he goes and he does it. And what happens? Blind eyes are opened. Deaf ears can hear. The paralyzed people are getting up. The dead are raised. Like that's incredible. Do we believe that that stuff can happen today? I do. 
And if you don't, come to Radical Church for a few months and you'll probably see some of it. I'm gonna tell you a story about one of the greatest revivals in American history, probably the greatest in American history. It's called the Azusa Street Revival. Those of you that know about it, you better get excited. You already know. Actually, worship team, you guys can go ahead and come on up. William Seymour was an African-American preacher in the early 1900s. Okay, so just think about that racism, everything that that was in full swing, all right? It's like 50, 60 years, 60 years before the civil rights movement, okay? He was in Texas, but he went to LA, February 22nd, 1906. He showed up to preach at a church and preached a message on the Holy Spirit from Acts 2. When he came back that night to preach again, they had padlocked the door and chained him. They said, we don't want you to preach. That message was a little weird, Mr. Seymour. We didn't really like that, all right? And so they padlocked the doors and said, no, no, you're done. We, don't, we already don't like you, okay? And he was supposed to come back and preach for, for days. It was supposed to be a long period of time. And, and uh, so some friends took him to a house and this is where he began to hold meetings. He was invited to hold a Bible study in a prayer meeting at a house on Bonnie Bray Street. And Seymour was praying for people to receive the baptism of the Holy Spirit. And nobody was. It wasn't happening. As a matter of fact, William Seymour hadn't even received the baptism of the Holy Spirit. But he saw it in scripture and he decided that it was true and his own experience and what he hadn't experienced yet was not gonna deter him from preaching the truth of what was in the Bible, amen? I talked about this a few weeks ago. Listen, if your experience doesn't line up with the word of God, there's something wrong with how we're viewing our experience. I'm, I will throw my experience out the window if it doesn't line up with the word of God. And so what did Seymour do? I did not know this, by the way, before I called us to 10 days of prayer and fasting. I did not know this part of the story. Seymour called for 10 days of fasting and prayer. And on April 9th, the power of God began to fall right at the end of their 10 day fast. God told me to tell you guys, we're gonna do 10 days of fasting and prayer. I'm sure it was probably similar because he saw the 10 days of the upper room and decided, hey, listen, let's just go after that. Let's start there. That's what they did. So let's start there. The power of God began to fall slowly at first, but then it built. Some people would say like, oh, well, revival just has to break out automatically and everybody's just like falling over and stuff and the power of God and all that, whatever. Like, no, 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 that's not necessarily how it happens, all right? Like sometimes God just is looking for one person, just one. One person that would be set on fire for God. How does a wildfire start? One little cigarette that's thrown, one little match, you throw it out there. And eventually it starts to spread slowly, but then it grows and it grows and grows. And you know, California wildfires, come on, that thing grows and it grows and it grows. Half of y'all from California, so you know what I'm talking about. Come on now. It grows and it gets so fast that it's so difficult to stop because it's the momentum of the fire. 
but it all starts with one person. It all starts with one individual that would say, I am not going to be satisfied until I have everything that God has for me. I'm not just gonna be okay with one baptism of salvation. I'm not just gonna be okay with being water baptized, but I need the power of God to do everyday life in the way that Jesus wants me to live. I wanna be a witness to my family and my friends. I wanna have the same power. Jesus said the greater things that you will do than these miracles. Greater miracles than Jesus? That's insane. What does that look like? I don't know, but it's there and it says that it's possible. And I've seen some of them, it's amazing. And so many of us are walking just dead with no power and no authority in God. And yet he wants you to walk in this. He doesn't want you to struggle with the same sins over and over and over again. It's like, I'm just a sinner saved by grace. I'm just trying. I'm just trying to make it through to the next day. Do you seriously think that that's the life that Jesus died for you to live? The cross was not about telling you how bad you are. It's not about like, oh, I'm such a sinner and I am just in such need of a savior and I'm awful and I'm eh, this, that, and the other. That's not what it's about. We are sinners and we do need God. But listen, God emptied heaven. It says he paid the highest price by sending his one and only son that whoever would believe in him would not perish, but would have eternal life. Listen, God sent his only son to die. He paid the highest price, not to tell you how bad you are, but to tell you how valuable you are to him. The price you pay for something determines the value. Does that make sense? Housing market's going crazy right now. But the price you pay for the home determines the value. It's not set. If you'll pay a million dollars, then that's how much it's worth. And God emptied out heaven and sent his only son, Jesus. How valuable do you think Jesus is in heaven? And he sent him for you and for me. That's incredible. So the fire spreads, then testimonies that start to come. They build faith. And then God is moved by faith. So then you have more faith, more testimonies. God moves again. Revival, fire, wildfire. Okay. It became so intense that people started getting baptized in the Holy Spirit. They were coming from everywhere. After three days of this outpouring, there was no way of getting near the house. As people came to the house, they fell under God's power and the whole city was stirred. LA, guys, Los Angeles, crazy. They moved to another building, a stable. It's like a warehouse. It was 60 by 40. I just want you to remember that. You're not gonna need that for today, but I want you to remember me saying that. It was 60 by 40. Just hold that in the back of your head for a later time. It was not very big, but scores of people came. As they came, uh, scores of people were seen dropping into the prostrate position in the streets before they even reached the mission. Many would get up speaking in tongues prior to attending the service. Many people reported falling under the power of God and receiving the baptism with the Holy Spirit with the evidence of tongues while listening to Seymour preach from across the street. It says the power of God was so strong that creative miracles began to occur. Ears that did not exist formed into place. Arms that had been lost due to work accidents were reconstructed by the power of God. And as people prayed in the spirit, a literal fire would come out of the roof of the building. Other eyewitnesses reported seeing a holy glow emanating from the building that could be seen from several streets away. Others reported hearing sounds from the wooden building like explosions that reverberated around the neighborhood. 
Sound like a rushing wind? Tongues of fire? Sound familiar? Acts 2, anyone? Okay, just me. Such phenomenon caused onlookers to call the fire department out on several occasions when the blaze or the explosion was reported at the mission building. But when the fire department came, there was no evidence of an explosion and the fire on the roof could not be put out. Burning bush, sound familiar? Jeannie Evans Moore, who would one day become Seymour's wife, began to play beautiful music on an old upright piano and to sing in what people would later say was Hebrew. Up until this time, she had never played the piano before, had never taken a lesson, but was now able to play the piano beautifully and was able to play that instrument for the rest of her life. G.H. Lane reported that some who came to investigate were baptized in the Holy Spirit before they even came to the meeting. They were baptized while staying at their lodging or at the hotel. One foreign-born reporter, a foreign guy, reporter, assigned by his paper to record the circus-like atmosphere in a comic relief fashion. He was sent there to make fun of it. He attended a nighttime meeting sitting in the far back and in the midst of the meeting, a young woman began to testify about how God had baptized her with the Holy Spirit when she suddenly broke out into tongues. After the meeting, the reporter saw her out and asked her where she learned the language of his native country. She answered she didn't have any idea what she said and that she spoke only English. He then related to her that she'd given an entirely accurate account of his sinful life, all in the language of his native tongue. And it all started with 10 days of fasting and prayer. And we are on day five, I believe. Five. Do you want it though? I think that's the question that God is asking us. You have to decide in your own heart that this is something you need. Jesus said that we need it, so do we need it? Yes, but do I want it, like personally? You have to ask yourself that question. I don't care what you've been taught before. I don't care what kind of church hurt that you've had from an old church that said this stuff wasn't real. The theology that you've had in the past, listen, none of it matters. All that matters is what the Bible says about it. And I hope that some of this stuff has stirred your faith to the point where you say, you know what? I believe in Jesus and this is something that I need. So I want everybody to stand in this place if you would. There's a church in Springfield, Missouri. It's an Assemblies of God church. We are an Assemblies of God church, by the way, if you didn't know that. Um, We have people from lots of different backgrounds though. Catholic, Lutheran, uh, Baptist, non-denominational, you know, you name it. Baby Christians, people that got saved here at Radical Church, which is amazing. But then it put their faith in Jesus here. But then there's people that have been Christians for 40 years that are here as well. A diverse group of people, which I love. James River Church was very similar to that. And they had done, they planted their church like 30, 35 years ago and, and invited a guest speaker to come in. Uh, his name is Bill Johnson, who I have a lot of respect for. And he didn't, uh, the pastor of the church didn't know anything about him. Which by the way, this is the largest Assemblies of God church in the nation, okay? We're talking like, thousands and thousands of people that go to this church. I would think well over 10,000. And they had never, never learned any of this stuff before. They'd never been taught any of this. And the pastor was like, he had a meeting with, with Bill and invited him to come and speak. And he spoke one time and hundreds of people were healed in their service. And Pastor John Lindell said, 
I've never seen anything like this before. 35 years of ministry, we've been doing this and I've never seen this before. So they started in the book of Acts, like we've been doing, talking about the Holy Spirit, going through the book of Acts and all these things. And for 28 weeks now in a row, they've been preaching on the baptism of the Holy Spirit, Holy Spirit and power, how you can get wisdom and revelation from the Holy Spirit. Like this is an important thing. We need this, guys. We're gonna teach on healing. We're gonna teach on spiritual gifts. They just went all out for it. And, and they started to see hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of people get healed. But more important than that, in my opinion, is they've seen hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of people flooding into the place and accepting Jesus as their personal Lord and Savior in their lives because of the fruit of the Holy Spirit that's working throughout the congregation. Now listen, they've never seen anything like it before. And it was a very seeker-friendly church, if you will. Like, it wasn't a church where they went after that kind of stuff, but it all started... One pastor comes in, teaches this exact message almost to a group of people and they accepted it and said yes. And then the Holy Spirit of God started to move. So what's gonna happen if you come up and pray for the baptism of the Holy Spirit? Listen, I don't know, okay? I have no idea. Like I said, you look in scripture, it's different every time. You know, you might, you might speak in tongues before and you're like, what does that look like? It says, when I pray, it's, it's, you turn your brain off essentially is what happens. And I'm not trying to like coach necessarily, but it says all throughout the Bible, it's not the Holy Spirit speaking in tongues. Like it's you, right? You actually have to open your mouth and make it happen, okay? Like, so you have to step out in faith. There is an element of faith there. How do you receive it? By faith, okay? Some of you will, some of you won't. Like me, I didn't actually end the service I was in. I didn't understand it. But then later on, I was on the playground by myself. And as a matter of fact, I think that's even more powerful sometimes is when you just get alone with God and just, just seek after him. And then God will just, bam, he'll just do it. I, I just believe that. By the end of this 10-day fast, we come back next week, which by the way, next week we're praying for the baptism of the Holy Spirit again. And we'll be praying for people to be healed in the name of Jesus. So if you need people, if you have a healing need in your life or somebody that needs to be healed and touched by the power of God, I need you to bring them next week because God's gonna show up in a powerful way. If you want this gift of the Holy Spirit, I need you to be bold. I need you to not be afraid. God has not given you a spirit of fear, but of power and of love and a sound mind. Do not be afraid. How many times did Jesus say in scripture, don't be afraid all the time? I need you to come up here to the front right now, if that's what you want. Anywhere at the front, just find a spot anywhere around here. Hope, don't trip, but I need you to come up to the front right now if that's something that you want in your life. If you want to receive power from God and the gift of the Holy Spirit, come to the front. All who want it, come. Come on. Don't be afraid, don't be afraid. Just step out in faith. Some of you just need to be bold and step out. Some of you are still thinking about it too much. You're just thinking and thinking and thinking and you're like, what is this? What is this? And you just listen. God is trying to talk to you right now. Listen. Stop thinking so much and just receive. You're trying to make it about works in your head. Like, well, I'm doing this or what's what, gonna happen to me or all this other stuff. No, 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 listen, it's there. It's a gift. God gives good gifts to his kids. It's not a bad gift. It's not a weird gift. God gives good gifts to his kids is what the Bible says. We're gonna worship together. And those of you that have received this gift before, you've received the baptism of the Holy Spirit, 
I encourage you just on your own, you can pray in your own prayer language over these people that are here right now. You know what that is, if you have. And maybe you're out there and you say, hey, listen, I, I just don't even really believe in Jesus yet. Like, I, I, need to, I need to say yes to Jesus in this place. Listen, this is gonna be for you too. Is there anybody today that says, you know what? I haven't been living right. I have not been living my life for God. But today in this place, I'm feeling drawn by the Holy Spirit to say yes to Jesus. And I wanna give my life to him or I wanna rededicate my life to him. I just wanna ask, is there anybody in this place that would say yes to Jesus today? And you need to do that. Would you just raise your hand at me just real quick? I just wanna see you and then you can put it right back down. I just wanna see who I'm praying for. Is there anybody in this place who wants to give your life to Jesus today? Come on. I'm believing that every single one of you have that personal relationship with the Lord. And if not, I believe the Holy Spirit is going to whack you at some point this week. He's going to get you, let me tell you. <laughs> All right. Those of you that are here up front, do you want the gift of the Holy Spirit? Do you guys want this? Say yes. Say, Lord Jesus, I ask right now that you would fill me with your Holy Spirit in power and fire and love that I could be a witness at my work, school, in my family, wherever I go. God, would you meet me here in this place? Holy Spirit, come. And now what I want you to do is I just want you guys to start praying on your own and just say that simple prayer. It doesn't have to be hard. You're not working for it. Just say, Holy Spirit, come. Holy Spirit, come. And just ask for the gift of the Holy Spirit. Say, God, would you fill me with your presence? Fill me with your power. Literally, you just gotta open your mouth and start praying. You just gotta start talking to God. Don't worry about who's standing next to you. Don't worry about what's going on next to you. For those of you that are out here in the back, would you just pray for these people here at the front? Would you just worship with us? The band's gonna lead us in a song, God of Revival, because I believe revival is for now. Revival is for today. Revival is for Kyle, Texas. Revival is for Hayes County. Revival is for our nation. But right now, revival is for Radical Church. And for you personally, God wants to do something in your heart. He will change you forever if you will say yes to him right now. He will give you the gift of the Holy Spirit and he's going to move in power so come on would you just worship with us lift your hands praise God I'm going to start praying for you guys up front just keep praying y'all keep praying
Come on, just lift up your hands. Lift up your hands here. Praise God. Worship Him. Lift up your hands. Praise God in this place today. Praise Him in this place today. Come on, worship Him. Press in, press in, press in. Can we give him praise for just a little bit longer? Can we seek after God for a little bit longer? The God that created us, the God of the universe, he's worthy of it. Awaken us, God, to the reality of who we are. Awaken us to the reality of your spirit. Move in us, God. God, we call fire from heaven down right now. Would you do it, God? Baptize us in your Holy Spirit.
Yes, God. Death has overcome. Jesus has won. Yes. That's the great thing about the gospel, right? Is that you don't have to do anything. You don't have to try. Like Jesus already won. The victory's already been had. Like the gift has already been paid for. Jesus died on the cross for you and for me. Like you don't have to strive and try hard, okay? Like receiving faith right now. And then we go home and then we receive another filling of the Holy Spirit. And then the next day I'm gonna need it again. And then the next day I'm gonna need it again. The Bible talks about a fresh filling of the Holy Spirit. You go to actually, I think it's Acts chapter four. It talks about how they were filled with the Holy Spirit again. Why? Because we need him every day, every week that we live, we need the Holy Spirit in our lives. It's not a one-time thing, guys. I want you to know that this is not a one-time experience. And I want you to just praise God right now and lift up your hands and worship him. Come on, all across this place right now, can we just lift up our hands if you're comfortable? Come on and just say, thank you, God, that you are sending your spirit right now. I know that there's people being baptized in the spirit that are being filled with the spirit right now. The Holy Spirit is all over you at the front right now. The Holy Spirit is here in this room right now, moving in us and through us. He's moving in you for your sake, but now he's moving upon you for the sake of the world, for the sake of your families, for the sake of your school, for the sake of your workplace, for the sake of everybody that is in your circle. Now you're gonna have the boldness to step out in faith and be a witness. The Bible says in all Judea, Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. What does that mean? It means in your city, in your state, and in the world. You're gonna have all of the authority and every tool that you need to be a witness to people around you. And now you're gonna have the fullness of the power of God within you. And listen, you just receive it by faith right now. Can we just give God praise and put your hands together and give him thanks that he's doing it right now. God, we are thankful. God, I know there's more. God, I know there's more. Just like William Seymour. He just had to see more. I'm a dad. I can make that joke. Is that prophetic? Oh my gosh. If that is, that's hilarious. I don't know. I, I honestly believe, you know, a guy texted me this morning. He's a pastor in St. Marcus. He knew I was going to teach on this today. And he said, you're going to have fun in the fire. I like that. It's fun when you get in the presence of God. Sometimes we're on our knees. We're crying. We're crying out to God. Sometimes you accidentally turn your microphone off when you're preaching. There we go. But sometimes you just have fun in the presence. And I believe that there's going to be a joy that's going to come across you guys today. That as these things are breaking off, you guys are giving your lives to Jesus, but now you're receiving the gift of the Holy Spirit by faith. Listen, go home and look at this stuff again. If you want my notes, I'll send it to you. I don't even care. Like, but just go home and research, look to scripture and then pray again. Like just keep praying because we need this. This is a continual thing. I pray every week before I preach that God would fill me again with the Holy Spirit. Like refill me. Jesus went out to pray all the time by himself. What was he doing? Why was he going to pray by himself? And God, Father, wherever you're leading me next, help me to see it. Holy Spirit, come Rest upon me the same way you always have. Give me the strength to continue in the mission that I know I have to do. I know where I'm going. I know I'm gonna die on the cross for these people. I know they're not gonna accept me. So many people aren't gonna 
believe, but you know what, God, for the few that will, they're gonna change the world. So Father, help me, fill me with your spirit again, that I can stretch out my hand and heal the sick, that I can stretch out my hand and cast out demons. That's what he was doing. I believe the, if I had to say, what were the prayers like of Jesus by himself, right? Getting refreshed by the Holy Spirit. It's amazing. Go home. And I believe if you continue in prayer, we're almost done. We are five days through our fast. If all of you would pray another five days, I believe really by next Sunday, you're gonna come back and you're gonna have a testimony for me about God just absolutely doing something incredible in your heart and your life. Some of you might go home and speak in tongues for the first time. It might totally freak you out, but listen, like it's what happened to me. It might happen for you, but just allow God to move. Like have some faith, guys. I believe faith is gonna build in this place. And just like Azusa, I'm really believing that God has a special move that's gonna happen right here at Radical Church because God did not give me the name Radical Church for us to be a dead church, but we're gonna be alive in Christ, amen? We're gonna see miracles and signs and wonders. We're gonna see marriages restored. We're gonna see those addictions broken. We're gonna see people say yes to Jesus, find and following him, and we're gonna get a little 60 by 40 or something like that, and it's gonna be so full that no one's even gonna be able to get in, and we're gonna have to move again. It's gonna be amazing. I can't wait for God to do it but it all starts with you. It starts with me. So let me pray a blessing over you and then we'll go have some fun in the fire of the heat that is outside. All right. (laughs) Father God, thank you for what you're doing here in this place. Thank you that you are giving us the gift of the Holy Spirit right now. Are there someone getting filled with the Holy Spirit right now as I speak? Right now, as I pray, somebody's getting filled. Thank you, God, that you're doing it. It's not us. It's not anything other than us just coming to you and saying, hey, God, we want this. We need this. Thank you for sending your son to die on the cross for us, that we could be set free, that we could be healed. By your stripes, we are healed. We could have a relationship with you. And yes, one day we'll make it to heaven. We'll stand before you and we'll worship you forever. We thank you, God you're in this place and you're moving. And all God's people said, amen, amen. Can you put your hands together one more time for God in this place? He's worthy of it. All right, everybody, I am excited to uh, have us to get out of here and go have some fun. Uh, I wanna give you a few quick instructions before we leave. So we're actually gonna go out uh, these doors and you know you turn right once you get to the to go back out to the main parking lot you're actually going to turn left and if someone wouldn't mind if they haven't already go move that pipe and drape so people can get back through there um, and then you can go back there there's food out there uh, inflatables and all kinds of stuff there's bomb pops there's ice cream we'll have basketball out there we have some long I'm just telling you you want to hang out with us for the next 45 minutes so uh, please go hang out I'd love to talk with you and learn more about you if you're new thanks again for being here today God bless you guys we'll see you out there <laughs>